I don't know if I'm supposed to be up here yet. Yes? No? Oh. Yeah, okay, hello. Hey, so, my name is Chip, um, or Aaron, uh, whichever one you guys want to call me. I'm, I'm excited because I get to be opening up the Word of God with you this week. Uh, can I get, uh, I don't know if any of the Meadow folks are back there, can I get a music stand or something? That'd be sweet. Um, while they're bringing that up, let's, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the Word of God together tonight. Uh, dear God... We just thank you for uh, this night. God, we thank you for um, the time that we have ahead of us this week as we get to just open up your word and look at the story of Daniel. God, we pray that, uh, that you would show us the truth of who you are. You would show us the truth of your word. Um, God, that we, would, that we would see a clear picture of what it is to live a life of resilience lived out in the life of Daniel and how that life of resilience can be lived out by us today. So, Father, be with us this whole week as we open your word. May our time be glorifying to you. May it help us to grow in the knowledge and love and obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, my name is Aaron or Chip. You can call me either one. I will answer to both. Um, And uh, I love this place. I love Hume Lake. I spent uh, about four years living up here year-round. I worked in wagon trains. Has anybody in here ever been to wagon train before? Awesome. So I, I worked in wagon train. I was the wagon master. I was wagon master Chip, which is why I still go by Chip. Um, and uh, and, and I, I love camp, and I'm super excited to be able to, to be here with you this week. Um, I now am a pastor at a church down in Kingsburg, I'm at Grace Church of the Valley in Kingsburg, a few of you are here, um, and uh, I do children's ministry there, um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm up here this week with my family. You guys might have seen uh, my family running around, my wife and our, our two sons, Caleb and Grant. Um, Grant's five, Caleb's two. He was the one walking around in the astronaut costume. So if you saw little spaceman, Grant was the one. He was having a rough time today. And uh, I actually, he, he, was, he was whining. And I put him on timeout over in front of the, like the chairs over there in front of the, the ranch house, is what we call it. And he was just screaming. And, uh, and I heard, I don't know, it was one of you guys, but I heard someone go, what's going on? Oh, he's in timeout? I don't feel bad anymore. Just behave. And I'm like, yes, you go tell him that. Um, but uh, yeah, so you guys will see my, my wife and my kids around. Feel free, come up, say hi. You never know what you're going to get with the kids. They might love you or they might scream or you, you never know what's going to happen. But feel free to say hi. Just don't take it too personally if they're not uh, stoked about that. So uh, we'll be around all week. We're, we're all excited to be here and to be with you guys. So like I said, I I love camp because I spent um, almost four years of my life living up here and working in camp full-time, working in wagon train. And in wagon train, you have campers from eight years old. So the youngest campers in wagon train are eight years old. They're going into the third grade. They are are little kids. Um, And so this time of camp, this Sunday night, the first evening of camp, it always makes me think of those times in Wagon Train when we had those little kids and they were just homesick. 
They were so homesick. It was the first time they had been away from their mom and dad, the first time they'd been away from home, the first time they'd gone on a trip that's anything like that. Now, I know for some of you, even in here, maybe this is your first time away from home, your first time away from from mom and dad. I I know that's probably the case for a few of you, but you're also not an eight-year-old third grader, right? You're a little bit bigger, a little bit more mature, a little bit more independent, and so you might feel some homesickness, but man, it, it's not like wagon train homesickness, right? These kids are really putting, they're really going through it. It is a, a difficult time for those little wagon trainers, and, and what I always notice is that homesickness would happen on Sunday night, and it would happen a little bit less on Monday night, a little bit less on Tuesday night, and by Wednesday... We had almost no homesick kids in all of camp. The hundreds of third graders that we had, they were all over their homesickness because they were just having fun being in camp. Because you see, homesickness is there. It exists as long as we're thinking of home. When we're thinking of home, that's what makes us homesick. But but when we're just living where we are, when we're just going through what we're going through, when we're just there at camp and present in that moment, we're not homesick. So if you're, if you're wrestling with homesickness this week, my encouragement to you would be to go do something fun. Go on, on high ropes, go play paintball, go out on, a, on, a, on the lake or the, the blob or whatever, do whatever, have some fun, and you're going to see that homesickness melt away because the homesickness is there when you're thinking about home. Well, this week, as we look at the story of Daniel, what we're going to see is we're going to see Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, although that's not how their names start out. Their names start out as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we see Daniel and those friends, along with some others, they're taken away from their homes. They're taken away from their homes, and we see that happen at the very beginning of the book of Daniel. So if you want to open up your Bibles, if you have them, which you should, uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Daniel. If you don't have a Bible, then when chapel's over, let the the staff know. I I don't know, they probably have some Bibles. We, We can get you some Bibles. I want you to have a Bible to be able to follow along with what we're talking about in here. Maybe you left it in your cabin. That's fine. Bring it next time you're in chapel, because every time we're in here, we're in here to open up this book and to see what it says, because what it says is the Word of God. So... We're going to be in Daniel chapter 1, and what I want to do is I want to look at just the first two verses of Daniel, because the first two verses of Daniel, at least to start, they're going to set up the story that we're going to explore all week long. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, we see this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's a weird name, Jehoiakim, in the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, another weird name, King of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, that's the capital of Judah, and besieged it. It's attacking Jerusalem. And then the Lord gave Jehoiakim, King of Judah, into his hand, into King Nebuchadnezzar's hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of, Shin- of Shinar and the house of his God, little g God, his false God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so what do we get there in just those first two verses? Well, we start with the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Judah. 
Now, I know some of you probably know this already, but I'm betting many of you don't. The kingdom of Judah are the people of God. You see, in the Old Testament, what we see is we see the kingdom of Israel, but at this point, the kingdom of Israel has split into two separate kingdoms. And there's the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. They were both the kingdom of Israel before, but now they split in these two separate kingdoms. And the kingdom of Israel has already been conquered. They've already been taken over. They've been dispersed. And so now the people of God are just the kingdom of Judah. That's all they are. The kingdom of Judah, which are two of the 12 tribes of Israel. They're they're in this kingdom Only there's a problem. See, they have stopped following God. They're God's chosen people, God that the the people that God chose for thousands of years, the same group of people that God brought out of Egypt in the Exodus, the same group of people that God brought into the promised land in the time we call the conquest, the same group of people, but once again, they are not following God. They're worshiping all kinds of other gods. They're doing all kinds of things that the Bible says are evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what we see here in verses 1 and 2 is that God brings punishment on his people, on the kingdom of Judah. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the biggest, strongest, the the superpower in the world at the time, the most powerful empire in the world, the king of that empire surrounds the capital of the kingdom of Judah. That's the city of Jerusalem. It's surrounded, it's besieged, and then it said that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, of God's people, the Lord gave him into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. God used Babylon to punish his own people. And if you guys were listening, you probably didn't hear it because there was a lot going on down here with the the people dancing and the, the lights and the sound and all that stuff. But up here, they said that the ship started piloting itself. Did you hear that? The ship that kind of represents the whole kingdom of Judah, they said that the ship started piloting itself. And they said, who could be piloting the ship remotely? They said, the only one who could be doing that is the king. And so in the same way, God purposely allowed his people to be taken over, to be shipwrecked, to be taken over by Babylon because they had not been following him and obeying him. They had been seeking after these false gods. And so his people are taken over. Judah had been warned, but they had not listened to the warning of God. And so now Babylon had conquered them and they conquered them so entirely. They even went into the temple of God, took some of the things from the temple of the real, true God of the Bible, the creator and ruler of everything, the God who made heaven and earth. They went into his temple and they took some stuff from his temple and God allowed them to take it and to put it into the fake temple of the false god of the Babylonians, a god named Bel. This false god named Bel. So in these first two verses, what we see is that God's people, Judah, are completely conquered by Babylon. Their capital is completely taken over, and it happened because they did not listen to the warnings of God, and they did not follow God. So what we saw happen is the ship came, and it shipwrecked here, But then, if we continue reading, we're introduced to our main character of 
this book, the main character of this story. And when I say this book, I'm talking about the book of the Bible. When I say this story, I'm talking about the story that we're telling here, but it's important to realize this story is true. These are real things that really happened. It wasn't on a trasher island in a shipwreck, but the, the story that underlies it, the story in Daniel, these are real people who really did these things. And, and so when we're introduced to this character, Daniel, we're being introduced to a real person who really lived. So who was Daniel? What was he like? Well, Daniel, Daniel was a guy who had everything going for him. And when I say guy, maybe I should rephrase that. Daniel was a kid who had everything going for him. See, our best estimates is that Daniel at this time is probably like 13 or 14 years old. He's a, a young man. He's a, he's a teenager. He's a high schooler when he is taken. So Daniel is a kid who has everything going for him. He comes from a good family. He's smart. He's well-educated. He's, he's healthy, probably athletic. He's, he's good-looking. He's social. He's the guy who has absolutely everything going for him. There's that guy at every school. There's probably this guy at your school who like, he's like the, the quarterback of the football team and he gets the best grades and he's like first chair in band and he's also like a super nice guy and he's good looking and his parents make a lot of money and, and you're like, dude, how does this guy have everything going for him, right? Well, that's who Daniel is. Daniel's that guy. Daniel's the golden boy. He's got everything going for him. But then, out of nowhere, the nation that he lives in is conquered, completely destroyed by the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. They take over Daniel's home, and they don't just do that. They take Daniel from his home. So look at verse 3. We see this. The king the king being Nebuchadnezzar here, then commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, his chief official, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish and of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with all knowledge and understanding and learning, competent to stand in the king's palace to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the king assigned them a daily portion of food, that the king ate and of the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, stand before the king. And among these were Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. So, Daniel and his three friends, these young men who have absolutely everything going for them, they come from good families, they're good looking, they're smart, they, they are, are, are wealthy, they're well educated, everything going for them, but then... In a day, just like that, everything changes. They're taken away from their home. They're brought into this kingdom of Babylon, this faraway land, away from everything they've ever known or loved, everywhere they've ever been. They're brought far away from home. And there, far away from home, they're put into this program to re-educate them, 
to teach them the ways of the Chaldeans, to teach them the ways of Babylon. They take them away from everything they're familiar with, everything they're comfortable with, even their names are changed. And we won't go into what each of their names mean, but their, their initial names that they were given, Daniel and, and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, all of those names have meanings that glorify the God of the Bible, the God of Israel. And the names that they're changed to, Belteshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, those names are names that glorify the false gods of Babylon. So these young men with everything going for them, they lose everything in one day. They're taken away from their homes, everything they know and love, everything they're comfortable with, everybody that they know and love, and they're taken to this faraway land and they're put into this program to completely change what they believe. The whole point of this education that they're going to get in Babylon is to completely change what they believe. But here's the incredible part of the story of Daniel. Here's why we still talk about this story thousands and thousands of years later. Because even though those young men were taken away from everything they knew and loved, even though they were put into this program to reprogram their minds and to, to change everything that they believed, Daniel and his friends stood firm. They stood firm. This week we're going to be talking about the nature of, of a resilient life, what it means to have a resilient life, what it means to stand firm in the midst of a hostile world. A world that hates what you believe, if you believe in the truth of the Bible. We're going to talk about what it means to stand firm. And the reason we're looking at Daniel is because Daniel and his friends did just that. They stood firm. Daniel stood firm in the 70 years that he spent in Babylon. In those 70 years, he continued to follow and to serve God. So how did he do that? Well, I think Daniel did that because Daniel, while he was in Babylon for longer than he ever lived in Jerusalem, Daniel never stopped being homesick. He never stopped being homesick. Because if we were to turn to chapter 6, chapter 6, where Daniel is an old man, where, where Daniel has been in Babylon for decades, if we look at chapter 6 of Daniel, and we'll get there later this week, but we'll just take a little peek there now, a preview. In 6.10, we see this. Daniel knew that the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward where? Jerusalem. His windows were open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before God as he had done previously. See, even 70 years later, Daniel is praying, and as he's praying, he's facing Jerusalem because he remembers that Babylon is not his home. He remembers that Jerusalem is his home, that Jerusalem, the place where God dwelt among his people, that is Daniel's home. And so Daniel prays facing Jerusalem even 70 years later. Daniel was able to stand firm because he never forgot that he was in exile. He never stopped being homesick. Daniel never started to believe that Babylon was his home. He remembered that Babylon was not his home. 
He remembered that Nebuchadnezzar was not his king. He remembered that the Babylonians were not his people. And he remembered that Bel, the god of Nebuchadnezzar, the god who they changed Daniel's name to worship, he remembered that Bel was not his god. See, that's what allowed him to live a life of faithfulness and to persevere through trials. It was his homesickness his constant memory that where he was was not where he belonged. It was not his home. Said this week, we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to live a life like Daniel's, a a life of boldly following God, a life of perseverance, a life of steadfastness, a life of, of standing on the truth of God even in the midst of a hostile culture. And for those of you who are Christians, for those of you who have already put your faith and trust in Christ, I'm going to tell you this at the very beginning of the week, the very beginning of our time together. If you want to live that life like Daniel's, then what you need to realize first and foremost is that you are an exile just like Daniel. That you are far away from your home just like Daniel was. If you want to live a life like him, then you need to stay homesick. Just as Daniel remembered that Babylon was not his home and Nebuchadnezzar was not his king and the Babylonians were not his people and that Bel was not his God, Christian, you need to remember that this world is not your home. If you put your faith and your trust in Christ then this world, this present reality, where we live right now, this is not your home. The kings of this world, the people that this world looks to, the people that this world follows, the people that this world wants to be like, the celebrities, the influencers, the musicians, they are not your kings. They are not the people that you follow. The people that this world tells you are your people, especially in junior high and high school, people tell you your people are the people who look like you or the people who play the same sports as you, the people who have the same interests as you, the people who fit into the same box as you in whatever way it is, those are your people. That's what the world says, but the Bible says those are not your people. The gods of this world are not your God. This world is filled with people who spend their lives worshiping money and fame and pleasure. Those things are their gods. But if you were a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, those things are not your God. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we see this. Our citizenship is in heaven, for from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we see this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, and is unfading, and is kept in heaven for you. If you are a believer, 
If Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you put your faith and your trust in Christ, then this world is not your home because your citizenship is in heaven. Your hope is in heaven. Your joy is in heaven. And you can weather any storm in this world. You can stand fast and live a life of resilience in this world because this world is not your home. As long as you stay homesick for your real and true heavenly home. See, Daniel remembered that Nebuchadnezzar was not his king and Babylon was not his home. The Babylonians were not his people. Bel was not his God. Christian, you need to remember that this world is not your home. The kings of this world are not your kings. The people this world tells you are your people are not your people. And the gods of this world are not your God. Because if you call in the name of Christ, then your home is heaven. And your king is Jesus. And your people are all of those who follow Jesus, regardless of what they look like or sound like or what they like to do or don't like to do, if they follow Jesus as you follow Jesus, those are your people. And your God is not Bel, the God of the Babylonians. It's not wealth or fame or pleasure, the gods of this world. Your God is Yahweh. He's the God of the Bible, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who was and is and is to come, the God who always has been and always will be, who spoke all of creation into existence with the very power of his voice, the God who reveals himself to us in this book. That is your God. That is your home. That is your king. Those are your people. And if you want to live a life of resilience, then you need to stay homesick. That's for those of you who know Jesus. But I also know that there are many of you in here who don't. Maybe you got dragged up to camp and you didn't want to go. Maybe you came up here with a friend and you're just here for the paintball and you're just excited for all the fun you're going to have and that's great. But I want to tell you this. You know that something's not right in this world. You don't feel homesick exactly for somewhere else, but but you feel an unsettling in your spirit that something here isn't quite right. And the reason I know that is because Scripture tells me that God has written eternity on the hearts of mankind that all of us have a sense that there must be something beyond this. And you look at the world around you and you see the pain and you see the suffering and you see the evil and the wickedness and, and you see all of the things that are wrong with the world and you're homesick for a place that you've never heard of because you know that something's not right here in the world. In Romans chapter eight, it says that all of creation groans and we feel that groaning. We feel that something here isn't quite right, that something here isn't quite how it should be. We're gonna talk about why that is this week. We're gonna talk about why this world has pain and hardship and difficulty in it. But right now, if you don't know Jesus, I just want you to know that the reason 
that you feel that, that longing in your spirit for something more and something greater is because you were made by the God of the universe for relationship with him. At some level, you're already homesick for a home that you've never seen and that you've never heard of because it's a home that you're made for, a home of living in everlasting, loving relationship with the God who made you in his image to know and to love and to serve him. Again, we're gonna talk more about what that looks like throughout this week. But if you're a Christian in here, I want you to know your citizenship is not in this world. It's already in heaven. And if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Christ, then your citizenship isn't in heaven. At least not yet. It's in this world. But I know that you know that's not quite enough, is it? You long for something more. And the good news that we'll see all throughout this week is that that something more is something that's offered to you through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that we would live lives of being homesick. Not homesick for Kingsburg or homesick for Bakersfield, but homesick for heaven. God, that as we walk through this life, as we walk through life in this world, that we would remember that this world is not our home. Its kings are not our kings. The, the people this world says are our people are not our people. And the God that this world worships is not our God but that heaven is our home, Jesus is our king, your people are our people. Father, you are our God. Help us to remember those things. And God, for the students in here who have not yet found their citizenship in heaven on the basis of Christ's work on the cross, God, I pray that you would put a rock in their shoe. I pray that they would never be comfortable with this world because they would continue to realize its brokenness and God, that that lack of comfort in this world would drive them to you. You would open their eyes to see that the reason they are not comfortable here is because they're meant to have citizenship in heaven and to have a home with you. In Jesus' name, amen.